we think the mask is the thing that is going to bring us love or bring us intimacy. And in actuality, it is the thing that keeps us from experiencing true intimacy and love. But nobody really teaches us how to look at the mask, how to identify it, and then hold us in a loving container, even if that is us doing it for ourselves, to really go down deep and look at the nose, look at the mask with a sense of tenderness, you know, and gentleness. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. So, my loves, I've been craving to have deeper conversations on the show. And when I mean deeper, I don't just mean deep subjects. I, you know, whatever the overarching topic is to be deep. I'm talking about having people on the show and not just asking the typical questions that you might hear on, you know, previous podcast episodes of That Sex Chick or, you know, typical podcast that you might listen to where they're like, so, so so-and-so tell me, how did you get into what you do? Or, you know, you know, kind of moving through their life journey and then asking questions that you can only really get so much information on. I personally, I'm a little bit over listening to that and hearing that. And so in a way, I'm going to project that onto our show and I'm going to guide it in a little bit of a different direction. And I'm really inspired by some of the shows that I've been on recently where we kind of skip over the how did you get into what you do? Because really, by just digging into the meat and the heart of whatever the overarching subject is, I feel like for guests, myself included, our story is intertwined in that, but not just the surface level but storytelling but the depth in it. And so my hope and my inspiration for this particular show with my guest, Susan Marufo, is that we get to go there, wherever there is. And her overarching topics are deep in and of themselves. So that's yoga, death, and sex. Ugh, yes, please. It's also shadow work and what that means. And so Susan, thank you so much for coming onto the show to have this, what I'm sure is going to be a yummy, juicy, introspective, reflective conversation for that sex check listeners. Mm, Thanks for having me, Alexa. I love that introduction. I love everything you just said. I was just having a conversation with a friend about being on podcasts and how I just telling the story over and over again. And it feels like I'm trying to make it as alive and as new and present as I can be with that story every time I come on. But this is very exciting to me, what you're saying about let's let's go deeper. Let's drop in a little bit. So I'm here. I'm all yours. (laughs) And let's talk about yoga, sex, death, shadow work, all of it. Yeah. Ugh, I'm here for it for sure. And I'm sure that there's so many things that you're going to share on this episode that I could directly apply into my life, you know, especially with the conversation of shadow work. And so I would love to start there because I hear those words a lot and I see them on social media and there's people that are like, come over here and do shadow work. And I imagine right. that there's a number of listeners that are like, I don't even know what the heck that is. So I would love your take on that, you know, just shadow work in general. And then if you want to weave it into 
How do you even get to something like sexual shadow work? Yeah. Okay. That is the thing with also people who are interested in what I do, but not quite sure about what I do. And they ask, what is this? What is shadow work? What does that mean? So shadow work, we can go at it a number of different ways. The way that I go at it in particular is by way of yoga, because I'm a yogini and I've just been practicing yoga for a really long time. And it's what brought me to shadow work. It's really shadow work, everything about ourselves that we keep in the shadow, meaning we we push down, we suppress or repress because it's just too difficult to see about ourselves. And so we just don't see it. And it's a very human and innocent thing. It's not anything that we're doing consciously. Most of the time, it's just, it's just something that we, it's like a coping mechanism, mm. a defense mechanism for things that we experience as painful. It's like, bah, it's too much. So I'm just going to put it away, push it down and not want, not see it. So this is in yoga, there's an aspect of yoga that's bringing the darkness to the light bringing the things that we don't want to see to the light of awareness. And so shadow work is about that excavation. It's about going into the unconscious, into the shadow, into the darker things that don't have the light of awareness shining on them and bringing them to the light of awareness. That's what shadow work is. So there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. And I use a few different ways and yoga is is one of them. But a lot of it also has to do with going into the story, our personal stories of like, you know, mother, father, sister, brother, all of those things. And not so that we can get lost in it, but so that we can go into it, see it, feel it fully, and then just let that energy move through to free us from these like blind spots, these blinders that we move through the world with. So innocent. This is something that I really want to kind of center everything, our whole talk, or at least everything that I say around. And it's just this part of the inherent innocence of mind. It's so innocent. It's like, we're not doing any of this on purpose. You know, I'm not sitting here thinking, okay, I see this thought, I'm going to push it down now, or it's just a happening. And when I sit in meditation and I watch my mind go, I just see that it's thoughts moving through. And it's nothing that I'm sitting there and doing consciously or on purpose. So I realize the innocence of it. And I want to ground everything in that. Just the gentleness, I think, is very important. When anybody gets involved in shadow work or they have a curiosity about it or they find a teacher or the tendency can be at the very beginning to see all of this stuff about ourselves that isn't necessarily pleasant. You know, there's a reason why we've pushed it down or not wanted to see it or feel it because it's uncomfortable. And there's a tendency in the beginning to then just be harsh with ourselves and be critical and like the self-flagellation of like, oh, there's that 
thing again, or I'm so fucked up, or, you know, there's something wrong with me. And in actuality, if those underlying beliefs are there, then shadow work won't actually be effective for you because it's like you're still protecting, you know, you're still protecting this idealized version that you have of yourself. And you won't be able to get in there and really see the quote unquote, the ugliness or, you know, the, all the shame and the guilt and the feelings of unworthiness that most of us walk around with Mm -hmm. and are unconscious to the ways that they are manifesting in our lives and our daily lives and our relationships. And so Doing this with awareness and consciousness, like going into the depths and the dark with awareness, so important, awareness, and not just from the level of mind. Doing it from this place is such a life changer because it just gives all of that stuff that's in the dungeon space to breathe and it just airs everything out and expands into your relationships and into your work, into all aspects of your life. So I'm going to pause there. And so far, how is that landing for you? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the first thing that comes up for me is I love this shit. (laughs) You know, because we do. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I have cultivated a pretty good relationship with it. And I also feel like doing work. And I want to double click on, you know, what that actually looks like. Cause you, you did mention, you know, going one of the angles or one of the avenues being yoga. And I imagine there's other ways that you've seen, you know, people can do shadow work, which, and, and I love the word excavation where you're getting curious generally, like someone's getting curious about who the rest of who they don't know that they are consciously. Yeah. I don't yes. know if that really like makes sense, but it's, it's yes. like, there's some things that you are possibly aware that you do, but there's an unconsciousness to the stuffing it down or pushing it away and thinking that you can force the world to perceive you in a a carefully crafted, perfect, or even sometimes intentionally ugly and messy, you know, like there's a lot of layers to it. And I really like having a, a very straightforward kind of conversation where it's like, yeah, it's got kind of a fluffy term to it, shadow work. It's like what's in the shadow while you present what you choose to present in the light. Yes. Um, so yeah, and it, it all definitely lands for me and, and it's changed my life because it's changed my relationship with myself. Yes. And so over lots of years of asking myself, you know, who are you and and not just, you know, who do you want to be, but who really are you inside and I have found, especially in the last handful of years, that the more that I can share some of these components, like the full spectrum of who I've discovered I am over years, the more I can share that with the people that care about me and new people in my world, the better they understand me right out the gate and the more yes. depth and connection is available. Yes. Which is intimacy. Yes. Right? To me, yes. vulnerability intimacy. and intimacy. Yes. That connection that you have with everybody in your life is just a reflection of the intimacy that you have with yourself. And, you know, we hear, I've heard this thing so much in my life growing up, like, oh, you can't love anybody until you love yourself. And it was always like, yeah, I get that check. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
I had no idea. And I, that unfolding, it's still unfolding for me in my life. There's a revelation, a constant revelation of this word intimacy and what it means. But to the extent I can only sit with others in their pain and their grief and their sorrow and their humiliation or whatever it is, the tough, the difficult emotions, I can only sit with them in that to the extent that I can sit with those things inside of myself. So if I want that, if I want to be that kind of person in my relationships, then it starts, I want to be that for me. You know, I've got to practice on myself. And so that is what I have really spent years doing. So I lived in India for about seven years on and off, and I had a teacher there. And what we did, we didn't call it shadow work, really. He called it psycho-spiritual work. But, you know, I use that word, and it's another word that people are like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. It's just another <laughs> mumbo-jumbo sure. word, so I don't, I don't use it, but like publicly or for marketing. <laughs> But right, right. here we are, we're, yeah. we're getting down and deep and I can just say these words. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. We called it. Yeah. yeah Psycho spiritual, right? Because it's like a combination of the two things, like the psychological story mm-hmm. as well as the spiritual aspect, because it's like, if you just have one of those things, you know, it's just one wing. Mm-hmm. And if you get lost in the story, of mother, father, sister, brother, and you're just there for years. And then it's hard to get anywhere in terms of your own freedom and inner peace. But if you're just also on the other end of, oh, love and light only and the spiritual stuff of just all, everything's positive and spiritual bypassing. I was going to say, live in life in the 5D, which I find very entertaining. We're just going to skip like a bunch of stuff and go right into everything is joy and positivity and all those things. That's very challenging for me to be around people who choose that because there is a level of inauthenticity that I feel in them, which prevents intimacy. And it's not that like, Oh, I just think and feel all these deep, dark things all the time when I could choose to feel all the love and light. It's well, I, I feel so much love for myself because I am able to look at the deep, dark things and still say, I love you. Yeah. Yes. And you know, it seems like it's honest for everyone. Their path is, I feel like I went through a whole phase Mm -hmm. for many years where I'm just doing meditation retreat after meditation retreat thinking, oh man, I've got this. I've got a handle on this. I'm so evolved. Nothing affects me. (laughs) I had a a phase that was similar to in my poor family. (laughs) Right. My poor family and my partner and everyone around me, you know, but it was honest for me at the time. Sure. Yeah. It was unconscious, right? The shadow. I couldn't see it. Yeah. Until I started doing this psycho spiritual work with my teacher in India. and, And it was like, it was like someone just macked me. Reality. Across the faith, yeah. reality. It's yeah. called reality. And it was shocking. It was really shocking. At first, it was like looking under the rug and all the stuff that I had swept under the rug innocently, right? Like I'm talking about that innocently. 
that is also part of the stuff that I meet with loving kindness and Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, no big deal. And now, now I'm, there's an unfolding. It continues to unfold and more things are revealed and I can, oh, okay. And I hold it gently, but yeah. So that's why I say these two parts together, the psycho-spiritual, and it's very central to my teaching now, the humanness. So that spiritual bypassing thing, because I have lived it, And I have been in community where I've just seen it reflected back to me for years. It's like, no more, at least not for my path. And I'm really, I like to really bring it back to like, you know what, insofar as something feels real for you, it's real. And that's it, period. Yeah. So that brings me to the quote, the Maya Angelou quote, the when you know better, you do better. But that's as good as, you know, here's my caveat, like in each moment, that's as good as you got. Yep. You know, and I think back on the time when I reflect on my past and I go, oh, that was the window of time where I was bypassing. Now my bypassing wasn't like super airy fairy, but it was, it did have this kind of egoic condescension of, I know something that you don't know. And so you in some ways are living a lesser life than what yes. I'm able to experience. But yeah. then um, I know that, one. you know, like some, and I, I don't know what your relationship is like with plant medicines. So you have a, a relationship with plant medicines? Well, you know, I'm, I'm in, Peru in Peru right now. I didn't want <laughs> to make any of all places. <laughs> oh, are is, you? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in the sacred Valley earlier this year in February, March earlier this year. And sat with Wachuma for the first time. So, yes. Yeah. And so like, you know, I didn't want to assume, you know, I knew you were in Peru, but I was like, just in case, let me just yeah. offer it like this. Sure. <laughs> but you know, I've had my times where it's been workshops and facilitation and it's been reading and it's been podcasting and it's been self-reflection and it's been looked that kind of way. And I've had, I feel very fortunate that I, my relationship with psychedelics or my relationship with plant medicines have shown me so much more of what's available. And then of course it has been my responsibility and my job to integrate that into my everyday life slowly and steadily with habit change and presence. And like, these are all the things that a lot of people don't talk about. They're like, here, drink this cup of juice. And now your life has changed. You know, like, that's not really how it works. Like that's in some ways how you can reach like not wanting to do any more personal development work or even like having some sort of a psychotic break, like where you're just like not able to handle it because it's so big and being taking time and being present with it. And all of what I just said is like a really big component to it. But anyway, when I like got through my like bypassy time in my life, it was a 5-MEO DMT experience that I did not have the experience that I thought I was supposed to have. You know, everyone else were like, right. they turned into a rainbow and a unicorn and they they, <laughs> they died and then they became the universe and then they, and then Pachamama like hugged them and then they dissolved <laughs> into nothingness and everything. And, you know, they come out of the experience and they're like, oh my gosh, I understand the meaning of life. I am right. God. I am the universe. I love you. Everyone, I love you. And I'm, I went in and like, I watched my whole world turn to ash and like, I did not have the rainbows and unicorns and butterflies experience. And I actually went into a migraine that kind of was on and off, like this really bad headache that kind of went on and off for a couple of weeks. And I was just purging emotions, like on my knees, crying. And and yeah. before I went into the experience, I felt very zipped up. 
I felt ready. I pulled the yin card before I went into my ceremony. I was like, yeah, I'm ready to receive. What's my download? What's my cosmic upgrade? I'm ready. And it brought me to my fucking knees for a long time afterwards. And in some ways, like I still have a like hesitation and I have deep, deep reverence for some of those plants and compounds that can show so much. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, that experience was not like everybody else's. However, I got, I got the medicine, so to speak. I got the healing and it, yeah, that I needed and so much beauty that I have in my life. I credit back to the deep grieving and the, the, the stuff that was coming out of me and moving through me that at that time made no sense, but it was just you know, what is, what is femininity, you know, outside of like the rainbows and the butterflies, essentially like being out and appreciating nature and having pleasure and, you know, frolicking and dancing and all that. But then there's another coin to it where it is raw and it is emotion and it is destruction and it is just like rage and fear. It's all of the emotions. And I just realized that I had had a lot of that bottled up. And so then that was, okay, then why did I have it bottled up? What did that mean about me and then reflecting, where did it come from in my past, in my history, in my familial relationships, in my yeah. ancestral relationships? And I really hope that in this conversation, lots of people who are listening, we're, we are able to share in a way that makes a lot of these kind of fluffy terms that they might see a lot. My hope is that we're able to give like a through line to it, make it more real. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you said a couple of key words. I mean, you said integration and the femininity. There's just so many things there. And really what you're talking about, the way that I interpret it is death, that bringing you to your fucking knees. That's what it felt like. That death, that like, there's no game. Like the game is up. Yes. The game is up. There's nothing I can pretend here. There's no mask I can wear. It is all being taken from me and it's painful. It's so painful, but thank fucking God, because it's over. The jig is up and I don't have to pretend. And it's like, you know, that saying, let go or be dragged. <laughs> have you ever heard that? <laughs> no, I mean, but I like it. It's like, let go or be dragged. I mean, sometimes I know for myself, apparently that's what I needed. I needed to be dragged. and. I needed it. I needed something really strong, like the experience that you're talking about. I've had a few, and mm-hmm. apparently that's what it took for me to open my eyes and to be humble enough to see myself for all of it, all of it. And I was feeling emotional when you were talking about your experience. I just felt this energy coming because it's such a raw that raw power of emotion, that energy of all of it. Not just the pretty, pretty parts, but all of it. And it will devour you. It will, and when I mean you, I mean the superficial you. The you that is playing the game and not that that's wrong because it is, again, very human. It's just, are you wearing the mask or is the mask wearing you? Mm -hmm. And as long as the mask is wearing you 
and you know, good luck, mm-hmm. good luck yeah. with intimacy. Yeah. Real intimacy, which is something that most of us say we want consciously. There's a big yes. It's like, yes, yes. I want a partner. I want love. I want connection. We say these things and it's like, really? Do you? You want your idea of those things. You want the preconceived notions, the, what you see in the movies, those kinds of things. Like that's what's been modeled. Yes. And so what shadow work is, it's exploring the unconscious no, the unconscious no we have, you know, because it's like, we say we want these things, but look around, your life will tell you, will reflect back to you what you really deeply believe and what you really deeply desire. It's giving it, it just reflects it back. So, so if you don't have the things that you consciously say you want, then let's look at the unconscious no that you have. And that unconscious no is the thing, you know, the things that you're talking about, that it will bring you to your knees. You'd be so surprised by what you find because of the mass. You know, we think that the mass, innocently, we think the mask is the thing that is going to bring us love or bring us intimacy. And in actuality, it is the thing that keeps us from experiencing true intimacy and love. But nobody really teaches us how to look at the mask, how to identify it, and then hold us in, you know, in a loving container, even if that is us doing it for ourselves, to really go down deep and look at the nose, look at the mask, with a sense of tenderness, you know, and gentleness. But these masks, it's like the chipping away at it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be so hardcore and so intense, you know, like my experiences have been or how yours, I imagine. And like you, I think I'm just built for it. Yeah. Are you a Scorpio? I'm a Leo. (laughs) You're a Leo. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to do it, but I want to take center stage and be in a shiny gold dress and like melt away my, you know. Uh, Yeah. You know, these masks, like you were talking about the arrogance or the I know, and somehow I'm superior and I can, that one for sure, I have spent some time with just looking at it. Yeah. And there's so many different ones that we wear with any given, any given day situation, moment to moment thing. But most of us have one that's like a real default. And a lot of it is connected to things that happened when we were kids, you know, this, isn't it crazy that you're going to live what 60, 70, 80, 90 years, but the first 15 are going to fuck you up for the whole time. Oh man. Right. Like the first five years. Oh yeah. First yeah. five to seven. And then, you yeah. know, layer on your, your teens and hormones and coming into like identity and all of that. And it's like, oh, well now that that's happened all the way until you're 90, you're going to be replaying a lot of this shit out and trying to figure it out over and over and over again. <laughs> and this is how yoga and meditation comes into it because it's like, just, we're living in a dream. Yeah. We live in the dream of the past and we're just projecting it onto right now and the future. And it's just past, future, past, future, past projected into this imaginary future. And we're just being dreamed. It's not, 
anything we're doing on purpose, again, I want to say that it's not like, oh, bad, Susan, I'm in the past. It's just right. the nature of it. It's the function of the ego. You're just, we're just being dreamed. And, you know, like just to give an example, I'm traveling with two people, they're older. And I see these situations, I get triggered. I'll get triggered. One of them says something. And it's like, I'm back to being this kid with my two parents. I'm in the middle of an argument between my two parents. And I'm just tripping out on it. I'm sitting there like, past just the past projected onto these two people and if I didn't have all of this practice and this training I would just believe it I would believe the thought that comes into my mind attached to it identify with it and just believe that this man is doing this shit to me that really you know I believed my dad did to me when I was six years old you know the control and So that's just how we live. We move through life and not really questioning these things. And that is an aspect of like, that is part of the fruit of the work of shadow because I can be with that six-year-old now that I I couldn't hold a space for her then. And so now I can see it, it comes up and it's like, oh, there's something here that needs to be tended to. It's not something to pretend like it's not there to shut her up, to cut her out or put her aside. It's like, oh, come here, come here. Like, I just want to hold you and hug you and give you a space to say what you need to say, to feel what you need to feel. And then, you know, it just, the energy just moves. Yeah. I think so many people think that if they go you know, there's this idea that if they go start doing this kind of work, that they start looking at their shadows and they start looking at their habits and their patterns and their past and all that, that one day they'll be realized, you know, like right. self-actualized, like they will one day that this healing path is going to lead them to these things don't happen for them anymore. Right. And I am getting real cozy in bed with these things because I'm like, I don't think you're going anywhere. So to the degree that I can love you and accept you and cultivate self-awareness and then every day moving forward, attempt a little more self-awareness and openness, a little more self-awareness and openness. I often will describe this, you know, the people in our community and that I work with is that there's this thing that like one day you're going to arrive and then it's just going to poof. I don't do this thing anymore. And people oftentimes don't realize that the work that they're doing is getting, it's closing the gap in some ways where, and that it's the self-awareness. Self-awareness is, is what's in the in-between. And so let's say, you know, they would possibly go into pattern and shadow would come up and they're not tending to the little girl, the little boy that's inside. And they're just like stuff's just unconsciously unfolding. Life is happening to them, not able to see. And then the light bulbs start going off. And they start doing some of this excavation and some of this work and like maybe they find yoga and they find meditation or go to workshops or retreats that have these themes where they are, they are presented. Okay. Here's an opportunity. Here's some prompts. Here's some space for you to actually look at it. So there's a major leap of progression in this journey that happens when you just learn that it's there. And there's, to me, it's that's something to celebrate. But a lot of times they see it because it's dark and they're like, oh my gosh, I got to fix this real fast or it's going to fuck up my whole life. And I can't, yeah. now that I see it, I can't unsee it instead of celebrating the fact that they see at all. And then there's a little more self-awareness 
And instead of celebrating the next layer, like, oh, the habit started to unfold. And instead of it playing out into perpetuity, I caught it the week Mm -hmm. after Mm. and I sat with it and I apologized or I made amends or I went deeper into intimacy with people, like true intimacy by, you know, being vulnerable and all those things. Okay. And so then they just like, oh, I have so much further to go. Like it feels so far, even though they caught themselves the week after, the month after, that's something to celebrate. I feel like people need a reminder sometimes to celebrate the progress that you are doing. It is in that direction. And let me just tell you, the finish line doesn't exist. (laughs) The goalpost just keeps moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just another trick of the mind, you know? (laughs) It's just another trick of the mind. There's a teaching called pure motive, which is what comes to my mind when you're talking about this. And, you know, pure motive is like, I practice in the name of truth, in the name of love, and for the benefit of all beings. And that love piece, I practice in the name of love, the shadowy aspect of that one would be practicing to fix myself, Mm -hmm. practicing to be better. You see, it's very different to practice from a place of love, which is like good as I am right here, right now. Nothing is broken. Nothing needs to be fixed. Because if you practice anything with that underlying belief that I'm fucked up, I'm broken. It's not that it's bad or wrong. It's just that it won't be effective. In the long term, it just won't be effective because that underlying belief of I'm broken or I'm wrong or I'm fucked up is just not in line with actual reality, capital R, reality. It's just not true. So that's why it won't be effective. And it's so innocent. I mean, who doesn't come to yoga or meditation or shadow work or trauma work with some sense of, I just want to be better. You know, I just, I just want to be better. Like everything's going to shit or I'm not feeling Mm -hmm. good. I'm in pain and I want to be better. It's very innocent. And it's what gets most of us to a practice or seeking help in any form in the first place. And then hopefully you have the help of some good guides that like what you're saying, help you remember and help you come back to the truth, which is what you're doing right here, right now is exactly it. And there's nothing that needs to be fixed and you are not broken and there is nothing wrong with you. You are love. So I think that teaching has been an anchor for me throughout this path. Like just remembering, I don't practice to be happy. I practice to know truth. I don't practice to get better. I practice to know love. And I don't practice to make my, to be a good practitioner and wear the mask of a spiritual person. I practice for the benefit of others. You know, so those are the kind of the shadowy aspects and then the lighter aspects of it's the impure, you could say, motives and then the pure motives. But that anchor of like, why am I doing what I'm doing to begin with? You yeah. know, why am I doing it? Yeah, totally. 
Uh, and I just, I know for so many people, even this like practice to know love is is so challenging. I, I mean, I realize being in this work for as long as I've been in it, that there's so many people that say that they want love and they are fighting tooth and nail not to receive it, like not to let it in because in order to let it in, like, then that means that that person has had to really get in there. Otherwise they're, they're loving the mask and that doesn't feel good either. And so, yeah, there's a, this world is like, all of the feels, which is a big component to it, where it's like you have to be willing to feel your feels and your feelings and your emotions and be with the sensations in your body, like really allow them to come and flow and move. And and I'm so grateful for that weird DMT experience because I just felt like I didn't have a story attached to it. I was just in feeling and grieving that felt like nothing in my life was attached to that. It was just so felt. And I'm, you know, forever grateful and I'm fucking terrified <laughs> now to do well, it that's again. The feminine, right? That's, that's the feminine. Like you named, you just really hit on a lot of things there. And what I mean by that's the feminine is it's the feminine is the form. The feminine is that feeling. The feminine aspect is to feel an embodied feeling and culturally we're living in a in a society that doesn't value that so much right now. It's all about it's a patriarchal society, right? So it's about bottom line, making yeah. the money, productivity, the head, productivity, doing the doing, not feeling the feeling. And I think that that is something that has been internalized by I can speak for myself for me. I internalized it and a lot of the shadow work has been about looking at the ways, my own hatred of the feminine, my hatred of the masculine. And, you know, sometimes I say these words and it sounds really strong and people are like, I don't hate the feminine. I don't hate the masculine. And that might be true. And I hope so. I hope my prayer is that that is the truth. And for myself, I have definitely discovered some hatred in there for both the feminine and the masculine. A lot of this shadow work that I've done has been around that healing, the inner feminine, the relationship to my own feminine femininity and the relationship to my own masculinity, because that is the first lovemaking. You know, that is the union and that is the intimacy. And then when that can come together and unite, okay, then let's talk about, about me having a relationship with another person. Because I don't know about you, Alexa, but I can tell you in the relationships that I've had, there has been an unconscious hatred of the masculine coming out and also of the feminine. I see it. It's very subtle and it gets subtler and subtler the more I look at it. And it's like, it's, it's, makes its way it still makes it finds its way to manifest yeah. and it's okay it's okay yeah but so shadow work is especially when we're talking about realms of sexuality and intimacy it has been a profound journey for me to look at those things inside of myself instead of pointing the finger outward in relating which it's difficult to let go of sometimes the stories that somebody is doing this to me 
and it's not done until it's done. You know, you can't force the river. Right. Right. So, totally. yeah, I feel that for sure, especially, you know, and, and, I, and I look at my own journey, my own life in a lot of ways, like resonate with that and can see, you know, the times where I just want to stop controlling things and I want to stop and I want to push. And so when you say that hatred, I'm like, there are components where I'm like, man, I wish I could just fucking chill out, you know? And then I see how I want my partner to step up and do things like that for me and our family. Yeah. But I have some pushback in the process. For and sure. then of course that then shows up in our bedroom, you know, my yes. internal battle. But then there've been times where I have been, you know, at different t- stages of my life, different parts of my journey. And I have not experienced some of that battle with partners where, but my ability to let their love in and how our relationship was only really so deep. It's like, I could, I could go certain places in sex and in romance and love because something in me always knew that they were not going to be my foundation, like my rock where I built my life. And then I look at my partnership and I look at my, my marriage and what I'm willing to go through within myself like I could get emotional just saying that, like what I'm willing to let go of, to be with, to not ignore so that I fall to fucking pieces. I like, I'm willing to strip and bear and go there over and over and over again for him, for myself, for our relationship and for our family. And if I'm like really honest with myself, I've never been with someone that I've been willing, that I feel called. It's like a moth to a flame in a sense, mm. because I want for us, like he is too good. He is too pure and he shows the fuck up. And like, I want him to have access to all of me. And when I say that in, in, you know, on our relationship over four years so far, the times where I've like even come close to saying that I felt so much inside of me luck and bear down and go, I don't know if you really want that. And I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't get to drive this train. Like, no, this is what I want. And it's just been an ongoing process of like, really looking deep within what's holding me back. And I think so many women specifically are challenged because of the, you know, I don't typically like to use the whole patriarchal society. Like I just think it gets overused and thrown around in ways that I don't appreciate. So I don't like to use them though, the way that you describe them, like there can be softer, just matter of fact ways, you know, not just like on signs outside of a protest that, you know, propaganda, like it doesn't have to be used. Like there can be some truth in it and it can feel a little bit like accepting and and it is what it is. And, and I appreciated the way that you described it, but this patriarchal society that told me that I'm a woman that doesn't need a man, that I can do it all that, you know, growing up with a single mom in the military that I saw her strong, the guys she dated and then married were typically, she was their boss. And so like, I saw this, you don't need, and my biological father leaving very early on, you know, when I was a toddler. So it's like, I, men are untrustworthy and all these things. So how this actually creates a shadow for myself to look at and how I'm presenting with that mask that you said, how that then comes into the bedroom with me. That's my responsibility. Man, so much or woman. Yes. (laughs) So so much there. I mean, your relationship to your mother, your relationship to your father, the beliefs that we learned at a young age from watching them, from the things that they told us directly, from watching how they related to one another, how they related to other women, 
to other men, all of that we're taking in and children, they just absorb, we absorb it. And like an imprint in our systems. And if it goes unchecked, like, what am I believing? What are my beliefs? And how that is playing itself out in your relationship. And that is something, the one that you named specifically, you know, it's weak to be emotional. Oh, yeah. That is one that I see. And I've, I have been teaching in different countries all over the world. And really, I mean, I hate to say it, well, is that true? I don't know. It's something that I've noticed is it is a very American thing. It's very strong inside of me that it's like, I don't want to be, it's weak. You know, I had this story about my mom that she just had a breakdown, an emotional breakdown when I was younger. And I was like, when I was young, I told myself, I will never. Something inside me was like, I will never be that that is weak and I didn't respect her and it was just this little girl trying to protect herself and survive and but I internalize these beliefs like that is weak I will never be that and that is it only reinforced I reinforced that in every relationship I was in until it was so thick and I could not see that that was the thing that was causing so much of my suffering and how I was internalizing the hatred of, yeah. of the feminine. So, you know, being able to feel and feel your emotions is such a feminine, such a beautiful yeah. and feminine thing. And also will bring you to your knees. And that's the death piece. But I think that a, the identifying of those beliefs that you had, you know, just seeing that, like, I want you to take the lead to your masculine partner, right? And then they I'm take like the lead. ready to fight him. Right. I want you to take the lead. Oh, yeah. I'm creating a real <laughs> safe environment for that where I'm like, I got a sword out, my dick out, my like everything's yes. out. You know, yes. why won't you lead me? <laughs> it's like, I mean, you know, it's, it's impossible. Yes. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's like, lead me. And then they try and it's like, nope, you're not doing it right. And fuck you for trying. And yeah. so then the guy just, you know, is wearing, you know, they say that you attract your reciprocal, right? So you can check out with yourself if this is true or anybody listening. Like for myself, I had a very, like a masculine shell, right? Like I got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need a man. Like even your voice, as you say that you're like deepening your voice, you're like, I don't need anything, right? It's even your yes. like a masculine retelling of the story. <laughs> yes. Yes. Embodying it. And, oh, yeah. and the idea with all of this is, well, at least in the work that I do is to cultivate that healing with the inner feminine and inner masculine so that you are free to flow into whichever energy is needing to present itself in any given situation. So I feel totally great about masculine energy. I feel like there's a situation like to just take control or assert myself or whatever. Take control is a strong phrase, but just to step into that power and that, that kind of energy. But also if the situation is calling for a softer, gentler, like surrender, devotional place, I'm free to do that too, because I have dog in there. 
and seen and healed both so that there's a freedom inside of me. There's to be able to flow in whichever energy, you know, the situation calls for. That's, that's ultimately, you know, what, what would be amazing, but um, yeah. yeah. But back to this piece of letting the masculine guide, if that's what you want, so that when you have these, you have an awareness of the energy of feminine and masculine within you and you're in a relationship, then you two can consciously work together. So you can have this vocabulary and say, okay, in this situation, I like to play in the feminine role. And I would love for you to play in the masculine role in this situation to create that polarity. Another way to say that is attraction. And in this situation, I realize I prefer to be more in the masculine role. And then if you want that polarity, if you want to create an attraction in some, in that situation, then, okay, is your partner cool with just taking a more passive approach or being in the feminine? If there is attraction is what you're going for. You can just work with this consciously. But, you know, some couples, they don't need that all the time. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's like, we're good. I can be in the masculine here and he's in this masculine. We're doing some work together. We both are very purpose-driven in this moment, in this situation. Cool. And we know that there isn't necessarily, the priority isn't a sexual attraction in this moment. We have another thing that we're working with. We're we have kids we're trying to raise in this particular yeah. moment, whatever it is. And if you do find yourself in a moment where attraction or sexual attraction is what you are trying to cultivate, then it's like, okay, I have this. We can work with these principles consciously. I can drop into my feminine. He can move into the masculine. I'm using these words, you know, he and she, but, right. you know, bo- we all contain both right. poles. Right. Whatever word you want, you want to call them yin and yang, solar and lunar, whatever. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I always love a good refresher in the subject too. And it's definitely something that since both Jordan and I are committed to our individual journeys and our individual paths and shadow work, things like that, we both, I feel like we've developed a really strong sense of self individually before we got into our relationship. And that was one of the perks of us getting together around 30 years old. So, you know, my relationships in my twenties, I didn't have access to any of this language or understanding or knowing, but I'm really grateful that so much of this work is now reaching a younger audience so that they can have an understanding of some fluidity in this and like holding poles and things like that. And, you know, I think for the generation that maybe I'm in, but maybe just the generation that's one or two older, Sometimes it's the woman who's interested in this information and, or she's seeking and she can feel like a dissonance or a disconnection inside of the relationship. So then she goes and seeks and with that dissatisfaction, like kind of sets things on fire sometimes inside of a relationship, just trying to evoke emotion within herself and in their partnership. And anyway, I like all that to really say that this is I find in my own life, like I don't actually have to have this kind of relationship because we both came into our partnership understanding a lot of this stuff already. And so now it's just what this represents and means to us as, as each individual, like who we actually are. But I imagine that this is really hard. And I see this in people that are in our community and that I work with is that if both people are not willing to show up to learn, 
it can be really, really challenging that one is, uh, you know, one is willing to do the, let's say shadow work. One's willing to look at all of who they are. Like they're, they're unwilling to carry on a day further doing what they have been doing because that's not working. And so, and I know that this definitely shows up in a lot of people's sex and they don't have polarity. Like even with regards to, I want you to show up and be more of a man, right? It's met with that kind of masculine. You got to change something. You got to do something, you know? And I'm very much in an inquiry now where it's with some of this information, how do I, as the woman in my relationship that has that alpha edge a lot, like runs my own business. My husband works with me. Like we work, work together now, but it's still a company that I created. And so, you know, that, that comes into play. Like that's a part of my story. Of course, this is, you know, like it shows up in my adult life, but how can I be his muse? Like, how can I be a muse that inspires him to be this thing that I desire? instead of trying to force it, you know, how do I create the equal opposite in a lot of ways? And I don't associate that with weakness or that I'm too soft or that my voice won't be heard and all of that. And so that I have like a really curious question mark around, you know, I I see like, yeah. Well, it sounds to me like you're doing it, you know, that surrender to the walls you know, that keep you from it, that hardening that is in the body. And it's not, it's just um, an energetic hardening that also lives in the physical realm, like in the body. And so it's allowing yourself to feel it all, all of the, the armor that has taken years, you've taken years to build, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It's a whole lifetime. It's all the little times somebody let you down. The masculine let you down. It's your father. You know, it's all of that stuff that is, has created an armor in the body and there's no way out, but through it's letting yourself just the shadowy, like really feel it and let yourself get taken down to your knees. You know, when you're on your knees, it's a prayer and devotion, a prayer of devotion and your partner is the manifestation of the beloved. You know, he is your beloved on the personal level, but he is also the manifestation of the beloved. And when I say the beloved, I mean all of life and intimacy, that intimacy with the now, the now reality with everything that's happening, the good, the bad, all of it, that kind of intimacy, that to me, it sounds like what you're doing, just opening to it, opening to it and bowing in devotion and letting yourself just feel it and all of that energy that's moving. And the more you do that and let it be shown through your body, because that is the the form is the feminine. The body is the form. The body is the feminine. So the more you can reflect and show your emotions and the feeling and this energy in your body and give it as an offering to the beloved, to your beloved, that's you in the feminine. That is you just 
surrendered, open to what is. And that is what the masculine responds to, that kind of movement in form. I mean, that's why temples are dedicated to women dancing and like this movement of showing it in the body. That's the feminine and that is what the masculine is drawn to. So whenever you're feeling like, okay, I want to move out of this. I've been working all day and I feel very like, Poof. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of direction right now. I'm given direction and I've been ordering <laughs> ordering things and people around or, you know, whatever, <laughs> making a joke. Yeah. Joke, just joking. But um, I want to drop in. It's like, come back home to your body. What are you feeling? And let it be expressed. Let him see it. Let him see it. So not just saying, you know, there's a place for it. Let's sit down and discuss this, right? Let's let's be, let's sit down and have a rational conversation when you're feeling upset about something with him. But then there's also the place of just like, you know, just, just letting it out. And the moment that you feel it, screaming it, letting your voice be heard, letting it move through your throat, letting your body move and shake and letting him see it that way instead of, okay, I need to sit here and we need to discuss my feelings and communicate in that way, which believe me, Mm -hmm. I have, I'm got a master's in communication. I believe in it so much. And there's this other way to communicate and it's, it's with your body. And the way, the only way that you can do that, as far as I know, is you've got to be in touch with your energy and with your emotions and any from moment to moment to be able to express it in the physical body. And in order to have that kind of awareness, it takes what well, everything we've been talking about, unnumbing, unfreezing. Yeah. So that that softness is there and it's right there accessible to you in any given moment. I can feel what's happening in my body, that resensitizing. And it's no small thing. You know, yeah. I, I say a lot, we train hard to be soft. Yes. To go back to our our softness. Yes, um, yes, yes. For yeah. sure. Oh my goodness. And and uh, you know, I think about I think about this and I realize now that I could just keep talking to you. And this is one of the challenges that it will be when I want to have deeper conversations in certain subjects is how do I get them to stop? Because I'm really into them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And we didn't even get to like the sex and the, you know, but death. I think, yeah. And I mean, the, a little bit of the but, death. Yeah. I think we, we did. Yeah. You know? I think we did too. But you know, when people oftentimes will come to me and they want to have better sex or they want to have their first orgasm or their, how far they are in life. And they, they don't really know if they've ever really enjoyed sex or if they've have experienced pleasure and what it's, you know, for me, I get to like figure out how I want to package everything we've been talking about is how you get there. It's not having the right lube or having the right toy or having the right partner or having the right, I mean, partner can be part of it, but you know, like it's all of this. If there's an unwillingness to unnumb, to let things go, to be really real with yourself, feel your sensations fully in your body. Like there's it's no easy feat, right? I would like for it to be kind of easy where you just go to Amazon and you click a couple buttons and two days later, there's a handful of products that arrives and oh, poof, all your problems are gone and everything's great. And you're able to just like 
you know, instead of writhing in pain on the floor, you're writhing in pleasure on the bed. But in order to writhe in pleasure on the bed, occasionally you have to writhe in pain on the floor and be witnessed in the full expression of it. Yes. Yes. So it is just so much bigger than many people think. And I'm like, sorry, but not sorry that so much of what I do as a sex coach doesn't really have anything to do with the actual act of sex. Yes, that that's it. And that's what I, I lead with that. When somebody wants to once, I tell them at the very beginning, a lot of the things that we work on here is going to seem like it has nothing to do with sex. And it has everything to do with sex. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, I imagine that there's so many people who are listening to this conversation are like, where do I get more of Susan? <laughs> How do well, I go face my shadows, be held in that container? Cause that's something that I also want to share with everybody with a platform like this is that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be in your, t- no. in your town next to the big city in your house with your family and, and go, okay, I got to start facing my shadows. Like you don't have to do that alone. There's people that will be in community with you. There's some people that are a couple steps behind and a couple steps forward and that are right where you're at. That will form a community of support and accountability and will hold you and your bigness and your breakthroughs and also your slow, sweet integrations that also have their dark little areas to them too. And there's people like you, Susan, that are saying, Hey, come to me. I don't have it all figured out, but I got a couple things figured out and I will hold you. So yes. How do they find you? Yeah. Um, so samarasacenter.com or yogasexanddeath.com. Either of those places. I teach a course called Yoga, Sex and Death and I do in-person intensive retreats where we go deeply. It's an immersive experience and it's um it's a field that we create together to unfold and unnumb and unfreeze. And that's it. Yoga, sex, and death. Yoga, sex, and death.com. That's the website, or you can find us on Instagram, Samarasa Center. There, all kinds of stuff, but that's where you can find me. And I feel like everything in my life has been about creating this field, this container for people to do this work. All the modalities I've studied, the trauma work, the yoga, the meditation, the shadow work, all of it comes together in this, this one offering, this one field where we all get to just be done, you know, like you just show up, you just show up and then let go and trust that the undoing is happening um, and you're held in community. So, and that's so magical. And I think so many people now when they hear that, that you have a center and you have this in-person, you have these facilitations, you know, I'm definitely seeing it in, in the business side of what we do is that you can only really go so deep virtually. You know, there's a level of protection that people can feel on the other side of a zoom screen. You can only be seen so much, the micro movements, the distancing, the, you know, trauma responses at a times when you know, you're like, oh, I really got to pee whenever you've got someone who's holding, you know, a group container virtually. It's like, oh, you chose a perfect time to go get water to go pee where you can distance yourself from the deep work that's happening on the screen, but you can only really go so deep and you get someone in the physical and you cannot hide. And it's so deep and so powerful for most people. It certainly is for myself from the facilitator perspective. And so thank you for the work that you are doing. It is so beautiful and messy and necessary. And I love 
that it's happening. And so, and of course, it's not so bad that it's also happening in Peru. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> or somewhere uh, else in the world. Somewhere else. Lake Atitlan, Guatemala. Uh, Guatemala. Yeah. Yeah. In Guatemala. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Alexa, for this. What I, I was could talk hoping. to you for hours. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this was just what I was hoping it would be. All right, Susan, thank you again so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your work with all of our listeners. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.